you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. And uh, as you're turning there, um, it was about a month ago I was stuck at home in isolation because of a positive COVID test. I was not really enjoying my time, to be honest. Uh, I, was, I was trying to make the best of it, right? I was reading and I was writing, I was watching TV, I planned, I sent emails, I did, did all of those things, but I was, I was tired of being in that room before I even got in that room. Uh, and that Sunday afternoon, I joined in an elder meeting by Zoom, and the more we were talking as, uh, as pastors and discussing kind of the state of the church, I, I felt compelled to read Psalm 13 to us, and, and really to myself as well, and just to remind us that we can trust the Lord. And so as I finished that, my little soapbox sermonette, that afternoon, uh, one of the, the elders asked if I had plans to preach from that text. And um, honestly, I did not have plans to do so. But because of that question, because of the time we had, um, I rearranged some sermon schedule to, to put it in and trust that the Lord uh, is the one who stirred that about and used that, that brother to stir my heart. I realize that the last two years, everyone has been asking questions of the Lord. Why? How long? But the truth is, that's not just the last two years, right? This is, this is not anything new. Questions have come to me over the last two decades of ministry. Struggles have been presented to me asking for prayer or support or encouragement or counsel. I'm, I'm thinking about just just the litany of things that have been brought before me. I'm sure these things have been either brought before you or even asked of by you. Things about an adulterous spouse, a wayward child, an unexpected diagnosis, a brain bleed, COVID, ICU, ventilators, political drama, racial tension, divorce, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, fear, Doubt, rage, depression, anxiety, infertility, slow adoption, job loss, desire for marriage, desire for a new job, desire for college admission, desire for friendship. Your house burns, your, like, your house collapses. The list just keeps going on and on and on. It's getting heavy and we haven't even gotten to it yet. You're wondering, I want you to know that some of these questions are some of the very concerns that not just from you, but sometimes they are even asked by me. I believe that today I am preaching this sermon as much to myself as I am anyone else in this room. But hear me, just because this sermon is for me, does not mean it is not for you. You know what I'm saying? Don't get, like, you don't get to check out because the preacher said, oh, he's preaching to himself today. Uh, just to be clear, I've already practiced this several times at myself, so I just get another round of it. It's for you. <laughs> See? Ha-ha! <laughs> Told you. 
I mean, I don't even know what just happened, but that was awesome. <laughs> so let's, let's read Psalm 13. Hear it, the word of the Lord. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So David, he wrote this one. And one, one commentator I read said that he was on the verge of despair. Seems like to me it's not so much on the verge. Like he, he seems to be in the pit, doesn't he? This isn't just right on the edge of it. He, the type of questions he's asking don't come from the verge of despair. They come from despair. I, I think that there, what we will find is, is some questions that David asks that I, I think will be helpful for us. In fact, there are three questions we'll look at today. And if nothing else, we, we find that in some ways he's, he's like venting, Right? You ever need to vent? Vent your woes? And, and certainly it can be helpful, but I would say venting your woes at the throne of grace can be fruitful. Remember, it is the one who sits on that very throne who has already experienced deeper sorrow and greater pain than whatever it is we are experiencing. So when we go to the Lord, we do not have just a sympathetic, distant, indifferent God in the clouds. We have an empathetic, close, compassionate king of our soul. So with that in mind, let's, let's consider David's first question. How long will you ignore me? He phrases that a couple different ways, right? Will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from me? This is a question of ignoring. To be clear, it's not a question about the mental well-being of God, right? Did you, did you forget me, God? As though he, he has the capability of forgetfulness. In fact, we already know that. He is not forgetful. Even other Psalms demonstrate that. Psalm 9 says that for he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. David certainly knew that he has not forgotten him. But it, it felt like that. In fact, David just simply felt alone. He's asking the, the very question that many of us feel like. I think the way we phrase it, the way I hear it so often is, I feel like my prayers are just hitting the ceiling and bouncing right back down. Maybe you haven't said that, but maybe you've felt that before. You, you're praying and you're, you're praying hard and you're praying harder and it feels like they just stay in the room. They just hover. Your, your prayers don't, they're not getting answered, or at least they're not getting answered the way you want them, or you can't hear the answer. He feels like the Lord is just being silent. Will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? 
We don't even really know what David is asking yet. Like what he's asking for. What, what caused him to ask the question, why are you ignoring me? There was something else that he asked before that, right? That he wasn't hearing from him. He's not getting the answer he wants, or at least he's not hearing the answer at all. But I want you to notice this. This is so important for us. Even in his desperate loneliness, David knows that he can still call on God. Right? He's still talking to him. He hasn't stopped and just said, like, forget you. This is, this is why it's so, like, this is, this is a, a pastoral warning. The danger comes not when we ask God questions, but when we stop talking to him at all. And we, we know he wants us to call on him. First Peter 5, right? Cast all your anxieties, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. I could not advocate for this enough. So, so I want you to, this is a, it's, it's kind of a side note. When you're asking this question of God, any question of God for that matter, read the word more not less, right? I think, I think we, we have this tendency to go to the Lord in prayer and, and pray and pray and pray. And we ask God and we plead with God and we cry to God and we beg God. And then we do not go to the very place where he has already spoken on the matter to hear what he has to say, right? We, we go, we say, please, God, do tell me what to do. Answer my plea, answer my cry. I'm begging you, I'm listening, I'm, I'm looking for you to answer me. And then the answer is in front of us and we keep it closed. Like, it's like sending a text message and then when the response comes, not reading it. Sending an email, whatever, like, Hey, I've got a question for you. Do you want to go to eat dinner? Man, I wish they would answer. Bing. I wish they would answer. Bing. I wish they would answer. Right? It, like, it doesn't make any sense. So maybe this is the question you ought to be asking yourself. Is it possible that the Lord has already answered your question, but you've not heard his answer because you're too busy asking him again to hear what he has already said? Has that ever happened? At your house with kids, where they, they ask a question, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, uh, hey, dad. And like, you, you can't even say yes before, before there's another, hey, dad, hey, I, can I, uh, like, whatever it is, right? It's the same kind of thing. We do that with the Lord. Hey, God, hey, God, 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 hey, hey, God, God. And he's like, I'm trying to answer you, I promise. If you'll just, Paul, like, put a, put a, pause in it so you can hear me. After David asked about being ignored, ironically, he asks another question. I think that's kind of ironic, right? Hey, why have you ignored me? You know what? Let me ask you another question. Maybe you'll answer this one. So the next question he asks is, how long will I be sad? He phrases it differently, of course. 
But there at the beginning of verse 2, he says, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? I am uh, I'm typically a happy person. For the most part, it takes a pretty good bit to make me sad. Uh, I, I feel lots of emotions. If you know me very well, most of you are not surprised to hear that I, I'm an emotional guy. I, uh, I live like in all the feels, all the time. I mean, I cry just reading parts of scripture and talking, talking about certain topics. I can't help it. it. It just happens all the time. The rest of y'all are just cold-hearted. <laughs> but sadness, sadness is not something I feel very often, and that's, uh, it's not like a, I'm not, I'm not boasting in that. That's just a thing. It was just uh, in the last year or so that I was describing to Gloria some of what I was feeling in regards to, I don't even remember the circumstance, and she said something like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry you're sad. And it hit me. This is what sad feels like. I, I remember actually things. So then I'm like trying to debrief that with uh, Fred Hall, trying to process through when I realized that this is not a go-to emotion for me. Sadness is like the last one on the list. I, I say that not to say, hey, look at me, because I'm always happy, but, but instead the opposite, to actually say, I understand sad. I realize that it can feel odd or different for many of you, and I, I know that for some of you, sad is a go-to. And I, I know that it can even derail your day or it can derail the moment you're trying to be in. But I imagine that what, what David is describing is, is something pretty significant because when he says all the day, it seems like a type of sorrow that's more than just a, a typical sadness. Maybe he's referring to that overwhelming fog type of depression. And I know, I know some of you deal with this very real experience of depression. And maybe for some of you, even anxiety is a part of that as well. And I want, I want, I want you specifically to listen. Listen here. I want to I encourage you to do three things when you are in that moment. One, Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. I know, I know. I, like we will talk more about this seeking the Lord in a minute, but you have to go to him first and often and regularly. Seek the Lord. Do not find yourself in that fog and pushing away from him. Cling to him all the more. Seek the Lord. Second, search for help. Like we have counselors we can recommend. I would encourage you to to come to us, not because we will have the answers, but because we know who the answer is and we would love to point you back to him again and again. We want to hear you, listen. And third, share with friends. Do not attempt this alone. God did not design you to walk through life alone. So whether that's people in your life group, if you're not in a life group, you should get in a life group where you can share life's hardships and struggles and celebrations and all of that together. So 
Seek the Lord, search for help, share with friends. And the last thing I want you to hear is we love you. Like I, I, I want you to know that the, the pastors, elders, the staff, like we love you. And this, we are not, we don't want you to hear us ignoring your pain or your struggle. Instead, we want you to say, like, or want you to hear us pressing into that. So, a couple questions so far have been asked, right? How long will you ignore me? How long will I be sad? And then finally, this third question, how long will the enemy be victorious? Right? Second part of chapter two, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Seems like here, David is speak, speaking of a very specific enemy, but I want to draw your attention for the third week in a row, by the way, that we know who our enemy is. So many times we're, we're fighting the wrong battle. We're just, we're just like, I feel like when Paul just says it's like you're swatting at the air, like you're just randomly swinging. Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So fight the right enemy, the one who really is our enemy. And when you think about that and you're, you're putting the armor of God on, you trust in your salvation, you cling to the truth, you rest in the righteousness of Christ, you lean on the faith, you find confidence in the gospel, read his word, pray. Like these are what we ought to do to battle against the real enemy. And we know that he wins. This question of how long will the enemy be victorious over me, certainly they're talking about physical battles that were taking place, but understand that ultimately, in the end, Jesus Christ wins it all. So whatever it is, whatever pit you're in, know that he wins over that pit too. Now that... That just leads nicely out of the questions and into these three requests. David, David has three requests that he, he kind of asks for. So he's got these questions, kind of why questions. They're certainly how long questions. But, but then he's got these requests. Again, somewhat ironic for a guy who is saying, like, why do you keep ignoring me? He's going to make requests. He's still going to him, Right? First, he says to God, answer my call. Verse three, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Even though David is not asking a, the, like that very question above, he is still very much in a state of despair. Charles Spurgeon wrote this in regards to this text, he said that the mercy seat is the life of hope and the death of despair. The gloomy thought of God having forsaken him is still upon the psalmist's soul. And so therefore he cries, consider and hear me or answer me. He remembers at once the root of his woe, cries aloud that it may be removed. God is here entreated to see and listen so he may be 
doubly moved to pity. Spurgeon concludes that paragraph saying, what would we do if we did not have God to turn to in the hour of our wretchedness? What do you do? I think there's countless times I've been at, at a funeral as a pastor and someone has said, someone who's grieving the loss of their family member or their best friend or whatever the case, and they're, they're followers of Christ and they're in the church and they will say, I don't know how people go through this without the church, without Christ. And so I'm looking to some of you today. I don't know how you're making it in life. I really don't. Some of you who are distant from the people of God, maybe, maybe distant from God himself, and you're, you're, you're just like, it's like you're walking through thick mud, just drudging, like barely surviving. Even as you call out to God today, hear that the, the mercy seat, this is where he rests, is a place of hope. Because you're calling out to the King of kings and Lord of lords who is mighty to do all that you need him to do. So in fact, the, the next question, next request of of David makes sense then, right? So he says, consider and answer me, O Lord. Answer my call. When I call out to you, answer. Then he says this question or this request of support my needs. He says, lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Right? Give me what I need. This is not a, a sickness situation. Instead, it is a state of being He's basically saying, bring me out of the mire, out of the pit, out of that drudging, like hard walking through the mud. Bring me out of this. Some of us, if we're not careful, we stop at just this, though, don't we? We ask God to do what we want, hear us, answer us according to our plan, because if you don't think, I will just, if you don't, if you don't, do what I think, then I will just go ahead and die, right? Lift up my eyes. Take me out of this place or I'll just die. That's what he's saying. I wonder if you've ever thought that. Never thought, if God doesn't give me what I want, why should I even keep following him? Why does he deserve my praise, my submission, my obedience? Why do I need to keep doing hard things if he's not going to give me the one thing that I ask for? Remember that, that list at the very beginning? All the, all the concerns that have been brought to you by your friends or been brought, you've brought to the Lord, or you've brought to me or you've brought to someone else. You, you just lay all those things over and over and over and you're like, if he doesn't do what I'm asking him to do and maybe even if he doesn't do it when I ask him to do it, I'm done, I'm out. 
God does not give me children, then I will not go to church. If God does not give me the raise I deserve at my job, I will just cheat on my taxes and conveniently move some money around at my job to get what I want. If God does not heal my child or my mom or my dad or my spouse, I'm out. God does not answer me the way I want to be answered at the time I want to be answered. He must not really care about me. So you know what? I quit. This is you. Hear, hear me as, as your pastor, giving you as, as much of a loving warning as I can give. Flee from these thoughts. They are not of God. They are not of Christ. Who in the world do you think you are? Who do I think I am? Right? When I assume that my plans are better than his, that, that my thoughts are, I've got a better plan than the creator and sustainer of the universe. How arrogant can we be? You know what I know? I know what's better for me. He's the creator of the universe for crying out loud. He knows all things and is before all things. And it is he who holds all things together. You exist today because he made you. And we're going to look at him and be like, I got a better plan. Yes. Ask for his help. Plead with him. But do not give him such ridiculous threats regarding your obedience, your submission. Third and final request from David, champion my cause. Verse four, he says, lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Again, remember here that David is saying this is calling on God to remember God's own glory. In fact, this is a good thing. He's saying, God, like, this is for your glory. Like, he's, it, it starts the turn, I would argue. This is the, the start of the turn in this text. So far, it's really been about him, and now he's like, God, do this for you. Rescue me for your sake. Demonstrate your healing so that people will see that you're a healer. Show your faithfulness so that people will see that you are faithful. Not so that they'll see that in me, not that they'll see that I'm great or that anything is good in me, but that they'll see that you are great. Do not let the enemy say, I've defeated a child of God. Do not let the enemy say this at all. Do not let the world be confused but instead may they see your faithfulness even when we are faithless. That's hard to do, isn't it? That, that start of the turn where it becomes less about you. I mean, you're, you're asking for something, aren't you? seems to make it difficult to, to ask for something and really be asking for it yet still for God's glory. I think that's, 
That's why we, we ask things uh, that we know are according to his will. How do you know what his will is? His word tells us. For it shows it to us over and over. So we can't know everything, certainly. But we can pray according to his will and trust that he will work according to his will. So what now? Right? What, what kind of responses does David tell that we should have? What kind of responses uh, should we give? Right? Are we supposed to ask these questions? Are we supposed to, to give these requests? There are three responses that we see in these last two verses. These are the three responses I told you about preaching to myself, and I have been preaching them to myself for really about a month now. And so I don't, I don't stop doing that, but I would tell you that these are three responses that we ought to be preaching to ourselves every day, if necessary. The first response, trust. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. I love it when, when God orchestrates things this way. Today's Bible reading plan, right? The, there are still some of these out uh, if you're interested in doing the Bible reading plan, but today's Bible reading plan had Mark 9. In Mark 9, uh, there's a, Jesus is in this one town and there's a, a dad who is wanting his son who's been demon-possessed to be healed. So Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, oh, from childhood. It has often cast him into fire and into water and to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on him and help us. And Jesus, Jesus said, if, if you can, I love that. He looks back like, okay, I got it. He says, all things are possible for one who believes. Listen, listen to the response of the man. The father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, like there's that, there's a part that says, I believe you can do it. I believe that, that I, I trust in you. But there's still that little piece of us right? It's clinging to something else of this world. It's, it's holding on to something else. And we say, like, I trust you. But if there's any bit of me that's not trusting you, help, help my unbelief. I really do. I want to trust you, God. Like, I'm, I'm in sorrow. I'm in this pit. I'm, I'm, my, my marriage is struggling. My job is struggling. My kids are struggling. My, what, whatever the thing is, I'm, I'm hurting physically. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I'm worried. I'm fearful. I'm, whatever it is, right? I, but it's weighing heavy on me. And I, I trust you, God. But wherever I'm not, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Some of you may be sitting in this room today and it might be totally new for you. Maybe, maybe you come here every week. Maybe this is like your first visit. And I want to plead with you today to trust in his steadfast love, the steadfast love of God. Maybe some of you are saying, I I can't trust him because I don't, I don't even, I don't know him enough. 
I want you to know that the God who created you, who knows you like we just described, he sent his son to die for you. So why did I need somebody to die for me? Because your, your sinfulness, the things that you do that offend God, are, require a death payment. So Christ came and paid that payment for you. Died on the cross, and three days later, he conquered the grave, came back to life, giving you the opportunity to, to trust in him for all eternity. So here's what I'm, I'm pleading with you now. Turn from your sin and trust the unfailing love of a perfect Savior. We call that repentance. This is, uh, this is maybe news for you. We call it good news. That you were headed to an eternal separation in a place called hell, but by God's grace, you can be headed to eternal relationship in a place called heaven with the creator of the universe. But you see, this is a reminder also for those of us who are saved, right? This message is not just for the lost, those who have not yet heard. No, it is for the saved. It is not only for your salvation, but for every area of life. Trust in God. Trust in him. Also found this in today's Bible reading plan in Genesis 39. Joseph trusted in the steadfast love of the Lord. Joseph, y'all remember him going through all of these kinds of trials and struggles? He's lied about, sent to prison after already being like, well, all kinds of stuff happened to Joseph. And he trusts the steadfast love of the Lord. He didn't know what was coming next. He, didn't, he couldn't see the rescue plan that was in store, that God had in store, but he trusted him. He didn't know if he was ever gonna get out of prison, if he was ever gonna not, get to, not have to be a slave anymore. He didn't know any of that, but he trusted his God. He trusted the steadfast love of the Lord. So you don't know your future. Maybe that's a shock to you, but you don't. You don't even know what tomorrow holds, right? We, we do this thing all the time where we worry about tomorrow we worry about that thing that's coming in a few weeks or coming in a few months. You do not know if that thing is even gonna happen. We don't know what tomorrow holds. That's why Jesus says, like, tomorrow has enough worry for itself, so, so just stop. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to trust. And, and that leads us to rejoice. Oh, listen, listen to David here. Right, at, right. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. And it goes on, he says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Once you trust in him, you can celebrate all that he has given. Right, you, you ran out of that grave, we sang. All of these things you've done for us. So listen, listen to Psalm 46. Ooh, Psalm 46. In fact, I want to do this. It's because I like it so much. I want you to like it that much too. So turn with me to Psalm 46. It's just going to be a few pages over. Turn to Psalm 46. Where we will see and be reminded of, of maybe even why we ought to rejoice in this way. God's word is always the best 
illustration for itself. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still. and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our, Our rejoicing church is not limited to the acts that take place in this room, right? Our rejoicing is a proclamation of the glory of God. We rejoice publicly because we want there to be more worshipers with us around the throne. So we, we declare the very goodness of God boldly in our, in our neighborhoods and classrooms and workspaces and, and ball fields. And we will proclaim the gifts of God passionately. So as we are praying this week for the people of North Korea, so we we, we want to proclaim the goodness of God so that the people of North Korea will know that the God of Jacob is our fortress. Though their nation may rage and their kingdom may totter, the Lord of hosts is their God, is the God. So with all of that in mind, We find ourselves with this uncanny, I find myself with this uncanny desire to to sing and to offer praise to God, right? You you don't hear this goodness of God and, and sit silent. You can't. There's too much good to rejoice in. This is why, this is why David's third response is I will sing to the Lord. Because he has dealt bountifully with me. You see, even when it is hard. And I know that for many of us, it is hard. Even if you're asking the Lord today, how long, how long will this season be? Oh, would you take time to pause from your strife in? Pause from your struggle. To praise the one who has dealt bountifully with you.
Would you uh, stand with me? We're about to, to sing the words of Psalm 46. But before we sing, I think it would be good if we just took like, just like 30 seconds or just to say to the Lord right in your heart that you want to hear from him, that you need him, you trust him, that you follow him. Whatever your, your response needs to be, take time to call out to the Lord and then, then may we sing his praise together. So take time now to pray.